Okay. So we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna continue uh, talking about dark stuff. Mm. The dark side. With all of our relationships with the dark side. So I want to go back to this capital to Helen. I sent you a, uh, a two pictures to send out of two different Maramakomos, mm -hmm. but we're going to go back to um, Tehillim Kapitel Kuflamites, and we're just going to learn together. Even though I said last time we're not going to do it really inside, I want to go through a few. The first, like uh, twelve sukkim. I'm just going to read it slowly, and then we're going to talk about. Um, what is going on here? What this has to do with uh, with Tishabov? What this has to do with us tonight? Hashem has has searched me vateda and he knows me. You know my resting places and my uh, getting up places. You know my sitting down and my my rising up. You know my surrender, Shivti, my surrender, the Kumi, and my manifestation. You are able to understand and discern from a distance my thoughts, my motivations, my interests. My natural tendencies and my animalistic tendencies, you have, you have Put into me, and and you have separated them from each other, so that they can they can dance together. And all of all of my ways, you have um, you've you've guided me. There are no words in my mouth. You Hashem know everything. You created me front and back. And you have laid your hand down upon me, essentially to, to hold me and sturdy me. This knowledge is, is a plea to me. It's wondrous. It's, it's, it's more wondrous than, than I can fathom. It's too high. I'm not capable of understanding it. Where can I go? from your spirit. Where in front of your face can I run? If I were to go up to the heavens, you're there. If I were to go down into hell, you're there too. Were I to take up the wings of the morning, if I were to dwell in the deepest parts of the of the of the of the yam, achris like in the in the depths and the in the lowest places, gamsham yod Even there, your left hand would lead, would 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 lead me and your right hand would hold me. if I were to say maybe the darkness I'll get swallowed up in the darkness or it will remove me from you. Then the night would become as light around me. Even darkness doesn't darken anything in front of you. And the, the night shines bright like day. The darkness is like light. There are many, many themes so throughout all of these sukkim. Uh, juxtapositions. Juxtapositions. We the first juxtaposition is Shivti Vakumi. Shivti Vakumi, my sitting down, my waking up. Orchi Virivi. Orchi means my my human, like my human soul and my animalistic soul. Ochor Vakedem, front and back. Esek Shamayim Vatsia Sha'ol. Esek Shemayim, if I were to go up to Shemayim or Sha'ol or the or the or or the pits of hell. Kanfe Shachar, the wings of the morning, Achris Yam, the, the, the deepest depths of the sea. Yodcha Gamsham Yodcha Tancheni, my left hand, the Tachazeni Menacha, my right hand, Khoishach, Laila, Yoim, 
So these are all uh, um, what we call in philosophy uh, thesis and antithesis, opposites. Davon Melch is using here a, a, like a poetic license to juxtapose things with each other and be able to demonstrate that really essentially what he's, what, what one way of saying it is here, even where things look like the direct contradictions, Hashem's there too. Even when even when it looks like you know backwards and forwards, you're going in two different directions, how can Hashem be going in two different directions? How is that possible? No, Hashem's there too. How is it possible that Hashem, a person wants to transcend up to Shemayim and Hashem's there, and a person also wants to transcend down into hell that Hashem's there? How is that possible? That's what Davon HaMelech is, is, is addressing here, that contradictions, opposites, don't uh, negate Hashem. Hashem exists in the contradictions and the paradoxes also. What I want to focus on is Pasuk Yudalaf and Pasuk Yudbeis. If a person were to say, in the darkness, I will get lost, or the darkness will, rem will remove me. The Mepharshim have different explanations to know what the word Yishufeni means. Somehow the darkness will swallow me up. Somehow the darkness will reject me. Somehow the darkness will remove me from Hashem. Then the night would become like light around me. The, the darkness doesn't darken, Mimecha doesn't darken from you, meaning in front of you. And the night will shine like brightness. The darkness will be like light. Now this Pasuk in, in Chazal, this last Pasuk, Laila Kayam Ya'ir, is referring to, is referring to the night of Pesach. All right, we all knew that. That the night of Pesach was a night, but during that night, Hashem shone uh, his, his radiance in such a way, but that right during Makas Bacharis, when we left Mitzrayim, that it was like the, the night shone so bright with light that it was like it was day. So it's very interesting, because the Medrash says that the sun shone on that night, with the with the tkifas, with the strength of Tamas. The strength of Tamas, the light on that night shone with the strength of Tamas, which seems to be just a, like a, a homiletic. It seems to be just like using a, a nice way of saying that the sun shone so bright because Tamas is the is the uh, the month of the Hebrew calendar that the sun shines the most during the day. We have the longest days during Tamas. It's usually represented by the summer solstice. It's the longest day that we have. So the Medrash seems to just be saying that just like the sun shines in Tamas for the longest amount of time, and it's usually during the summer where the sun is, the earth is the closest to the sun, so the sun's very strong. So just like that, dark, uh, uh, brightness of the sun during Tamas, so too the sun shone, shined, excuse me, so brightly the night of Pesach. That's what the Medra says. So we want to go wild tonight. And what we want to say is really to talk about the brightness that's in dark, the light that shines from dark, and maybe to understand what the Medra is saying, not simply as a nice way of describing things, but that the Medra maybe is saying something deeper, that there is a certain R during the darkest time of the year, and that ur shined brightly on Pesach night. It wasn't just on Pesach night, there wasn't just light because we, we came from Mitzrayim into Geula, but somehow Geula itself can only happen through, through Gullus. And we'll, we'll, let's describe what that means. Obviously, to be, to, to be um, uh, redeemed means that you were in a negative place. But so, of course, you can't have redemption without having exile, right? There's no, there's no exodus if there's no exile. This is not a new idea, I think, to all of us. But that it's not just that exile happens 
and then we hope for freedom. There's a certain Indian of freedom, there's a certain Indian of Yeshua, of Geula, that can only come from exile, it can only come from darkness, and there's a certain Indian in the world that we don't just want to have good, happy times, we also strive to have Geula. And the only way we have Geula, obviously, is through, is through exile. If I'm making if I'm making sense, if I can be like more direct, because I feel like I'm not making full sense, simcha is good. Geula is not the same as simcha. Geula is the birth of freedom through darkness. So darkness is like the womb. Darkness is the place where everything's dark, and that births geula. That births freedom. And the Rabbi Yisrael set the world up that we have to have a dynamic like that. It's not enough to just be happy. It's not enough to just have good. You also need to have this construct, this dynamic of negativity birthing positivity. I'm saying a few things here. One of them is that you need to have negativity in life. There needs to be dark times. There needs to be darkness. The reason why there needs to be darkness is because we need something to birth Geula. It's raining. Mamish, like the Tekifus, like the Tekifus of Thomas. It's raining. Yeah. We need to have darkness in this world because the only way Geula could happen is through darkness. And Geula is a certain madrega that the Rabbanisha wants to have in the world. This maybe can be, uh, we could do a whole series of shirim on this, specifically on this dynamic of the, 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 the good that's born out of bad, tshuva. We need to have tshuva in the world. So the Rabbanisha created chait, right? What's the purpose of chait? The purpose of chait, the possibility that man can sin, is only because there has to be an Indian of tshuva. There must be tshuva. Hashem said, the, 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 the Chazal teach us that tshuva was, was uh, created before the world was created. So even before Adam sinned, there was a concept of tshuva. But tshuva can only happen if there's, if there's some dipping down, right? Yerida l'tzarech aliyah. The purpose of Yerida is to have aliyah. So what we want to talk about tonight is the first in a series of either two or three, I'm not sure yet, of three different um, constructs to understand. Yurida, the Tzarek Aliyah. Again, all Yurida that exists in this world exists because Hashem said there has to be an inning of Geula. There must be a Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, therefore there had to be a Mitzrayim. There must be a Mashiach, therefore there had to be Golis Edom. There must be a third base of Mikdash. The Svarim say there must be a third base of Mikdash. Therefore, the Rabbanu Shalom had to create two different base of Mikdashes, so, and they had to be destroyed. In other words, the purpose of Korban base of Mikdash is to build the third base of Mikdash. That's the purpose. You want to know why, if anyone's going to get up and give a drush, or why was there a Korban base of Mikdash? The answer is because the Rabbanu Shalom said there has to be a Mashiach and there has to be a third base of Mikdash. That's why there's Chorban. Chorban exists because there has to be a third base of Mikdash. The only way you can get to third base of Mikdash is if you have one and a two. Now, we've said this before. None of this is meant to trivialize pain. None of this is meant to say, oh, hey, don't be so much in pain because, uh, you know, there's, uh, there's good things that happen. The purpose of your bad stuff is because good things are meant to be. We're talking about this theoretically. This is to understand uh, and uh, uh, broaden our minds intellectually. Hopefully by the end of our discussion tonight, we'll make it more practical. But I just want to clarify that point. We shouldn't take any of this work that we're talking about now and try to apply this directly to the most painful situations in our lives. Pain is meant to be recognized and honored and dealt with. But just as, a, as an overall construct that we have a macro level discussion, the purpose of pain is to bring about Yeshua. The purpose of, of Golis is to bring about Geula. The purpose of Chait is to bring about Tshuva. The purpose of Yurida is for Aliyah. The purpose of Chorban Beis Amikdash is for Third Beis Amikdash. Everything is headed in that direction. And I'm, I'm comfortable saying this again. There is no such 
essence to evil. There is no such atzmias to evil. Evil itself doesn't have its roots in the reality of Shemayim. Everything that happens, happens for the sake of something in Kedusha, something in the, in the, in the expansion of beauty, of holy, of purity, of goodness, of joy. Everything that exists in the world is a move in that direction. Adarabah, the worst things that happen in the world are there for the sake of birthing something better. It gets better. It always gets better. So tonight we're going to talk about the first base of Mikdash. We're going to touch on it very, very briefly. And then we're going to talk about a, a construct, uh, a dynamic really that exists in all of our lives. The Gemara teaches us that the two different Batei Mikdashes that were destroyed were destroyed for two different reasons. The first base of Mikdash was destroyed because of the three of what's called the three Averis Hamuris. We know this that Chazal teach us that when Hashem gave Torah mitzvahs, Hashem said, I'm giving you Torah mitzvahs, I'm giving you all of these bazillion different nuances of activity in your life for the purpose of a chaybahem, that you should live, you should expand, you should grow. All of these mitzvahs are there to refine your character, to teach you discipline, to give you motivation, to give you meaning. All of that exists in this world is for the purpose of a behemoth to grow. There are three mitzvahs that the Torah delineates very clearly, that Chazal Mekadrasha, very clearly, there are three mitzvahs that part of growth, part of expansion of this world, and this is where things get funky, part of the expansion of the world is that if these three mitzvahs are committed, it creates such a destruction in the world that it's better for a person to give up their life than to do those, those three Averas. These are the Averas that are called Yareg Valyavar. A person is asked to give up their life and not be over on these Averas. And they're called the three Averas Chamuras, the three most stringent Averas. Even though it might be that some of the punishments might not seem to equal up for all three Averas, they might not seem to be the worst punishment, but Chazal revealed to us that these three Averas are the worst things that we can do in terms of the, the mitzvah of Vachai Bahem, and the mitzvah of using the Torah in a way that's increasing life. So these three Averas, the way you increase life, if someone were to put a gun to your head and to say, do one of these three Averas, you will increase life more by taking the bullet, then by doing the Averis. You will increase more of a chai bahem if you do that. What are these three Averis? Gili Arayas, Shvichas Damim, and Avedazara. Gili Arayas means immorality. Shvichas Damim is murder, and Avedazara is idol worship. Because these three Averis were seemingly rampant during the time of the base of Mikdash, which again, it doesn't, it doesn't, it seems to be that it wasn't necessarily that all three of theirs were so rampant, but nevertheless, the first base of Mikdash had within it an Indian to stay away from these mitzvahs. And I'm going to explain what this means uh, uh, right now. The first base of Mikdash, the purpose of the first base of Mikdash was to bring attention to the Indian of performance. In other words, in the first base of Mikdash, you'll see in a minute what, I, what, I'm, what I'm getting at. The first base of Mikdash was all about Klal Yisrael being Mekayim Taramitzas, a person being an Ever Hashem. That was the Ptachlis of the first base of Mikdash. The first base of Mikdash is Avoida, to bring Karbanas, to be involved in, in all the different rituals that exist. The first base of Mikdash is for the purpose of ritual. And so the destruction of the first base of Mikdash came about because there was a, a, a pagam, there was a, uh, a brokenness in the kiyom of the three worst averas. The three worst averas. The gufei hamitzvahs, the action, the practical uh, reality of Kali Yisrael doing mitzvahs, there was a pagam in that. There was a break in that. We somehow were not doing the best we could. 
And so the first base Amikdash was destroyed because of those three Averas. The second base Amikdash, the second base Amikdash Chazal teaches us was destroyed because of Sinas Chinam. The Sinas Chinam means seemingly uh, relationships. Ben Adam Lechaverai. Things didn't work. Ben Adam Lechaverai. And so because there was a lack of love, because there was, there were, there was not enough covered, there was not enough ahava, there was not enough getting alongness that took place, the second base of Mikdash was destroyed then. Because the second base of Mikdash was much more about uh, not being avadim to Hashem, but being banim ubanais to Hashem, of being in relationship with Hashem. The first base of Mikdash was bein adam, and the second base of Mikdash is Ben Adam Lechaverai. So the second base of Mikdash is destroyed because of Ben Adam Lechaverai because of Senas Chinam. So far, so good? Okay. I'm just going to run and turn on, turn on the air conditioner because the air conditioner is full. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. So tonight, I want to tonight. I want to get into the the uh, the first place of Mikdash and talk about these three averes of Gilei Arias, Shvichas Damim, and Avodah Zara, and talk about what they represent and what they have to do with us today in our lives. The Gemara teaches us that. Uh, to have the the uh, the uh, the the thank you for Avodah to be removed, and they they did that. They were able to be masakin that. They were able to uh, create that reality that we don't have a taiva for Avodah Then they tried to do that for Gilead Arias, for lust and immorality that they that they couldn't do, and they stopped there. They didn't they didn't go on to shvichas damim. They didn't go on to murder. Putting aside Gilead Arias for a moment, so the world today is rampant with, with immorality and sexuality. Let's put that on the side for a moment. Murder and idol worship, we tend, most of us, tend to not get into that in our, in our daily lives. Even those people that might, might be into Eastern meditation and might be, without realizing it, engaging in all kinds of different energies that might be related to the Zara, Chances are, for the most part, we don't have the, the taiva for Avodah And murder, also, for the most part, we don't really have murderous uh, uh, needs or tendencies. Some of us do, but most of us don't. And so those two things, they seem to be like irrelevant. So I want to share with you a model. I want to share with you a picture as to what these three, what I think these three Averas represent. Um, and, and discuss how Gilei Shrikas Damim and Avedizara fit into our daily life on a regular basis. We're going to start off with, with if you have in front of you the, the, the Mara Makarmis that I sent out, um, it's really just two, two different things. So it's the one, um, that's the first one I sent out. <laughs> it starts with Chein uh, HaMakom. Uh, the charm of the place. So this is from a sefer called Degel Machin Ephraim. I'm just going to read read the words. Yeshva Adam chafetz liyos b'makim acher. It happens that a person wants to be in a different place. The grass is green on the other side. Venidmaloi kisham yitav. He feels within himself, or she feels within herself. It'll be better for me over there. I'm here, but I really want to be over there. FOMO, right? A typical FOMO. Why does a person feel that way? Why does a person feel that they want to be somewhere else? Why, why does a person feel like, they, like over there would be better? It's only because the person in that moment has a chuka, has a desire to get close to Hashem, because 
he would like to, or she would like to be Masakain, that which is upon him to do in this world. So why do I feel that urge to move? Why do I feel that urge to get somewhere else? Because he wants to really, he's yearning to become close to Hashem and fulfill his tafkid. Since he didn't do that, he feels something's missing, feels something's lacking. Bilti bar, but he's not exactly sure. He doesn't have clarity about what he's missing. He thinks that the place isn't good. He thinks that the situation isn't good. So again, what he's saying here is, the Degel Machin Ephraim, it's a big aside. When a person sometimes feels the need to move, so you have to look inside yourself and you have to know, it's very possible that the reason why you feel you need to move is not because of the situation that you're in or the place that you're in, it's because you yourself feel that there's something missing within you. You yourself feel that in, in your life, there's something that you're not doing enough of, or there's something you're doing more of that you shouldn't be doing more of. There's some inner restlessness that you have that pulls you and pushes you seemingly to fulfill it with all kinds of things. And we're just gonna expand this, expand this to mean, <sighs> Very often we feel that a job is going to make us feel better. Very often we feel that a relationship is going to make us feel better. Very often we feel that status is going to make us feel better. Money is going to make us feel better. Food is going to make us feel better. Sex is going to make us feel better. Ego is going to make us feel better. Laziness, YouTube is going to, what, it go, the list goes on and on and on and on. Something is going to fill the hole. Something is going to fill the hole. He feels an emptiness that's not clarified. The He thinks that the situation in life that he's in is not good. When a person's engaged in the Torah and his Mekayim, then he's able to be Mesakin the Nitzaitzis that are there. Uh, let's, let's stop there. Let's, let's, not, let's not continue. Let, let's just stick with the, first, with the first paragraph we just did. In other words, it happens, we all know this, it happens to all of us that we get restless in life. We feel like we need to move. We think that somehow we're not fulfilled enough and we have to do more. We become critical of ourselves. We become jealous of others. We spend so much time trying to make a life for ourselves. If I'll only live a better life, if I'll, only, if I'll only be greater, if I'll only grow bigger, if I'll only expand. Oh, look, you see, she, she, when she does it, she does it right. Me, I, I, I'm not good enough. I'm not there yet. That person is more, uh, is more fulfilled than I am. That person has a better this. That person has a better that. That person is, uh, is better at all that she does than what I do. That person... Uh, uh, is much smoother than I am. That person is more confident than I am. All of these kinds of inner voices that drive us often in life, they motivate us often in life, they push us often in life. The Degelmach and Ephraim is saying, stop, slow your brain down, slow your heart down, slow yourself down. What you need to do in that moment is you need to surrender. You need to take a deep breath and realize a, you need to realize the emptiness that's within you. And B, you need to realize the way you're trying to fulfill it. Two steps. Recognize it's the hardest thing to do, I think. It's what I probably spend most of my time as a therapist doing. Recognize that there is an emptiness within you. Recognize that you're really living in a fantasy, in a bubble. You'll never, ever get there. You will never, ever get there. You will never get to that top of that totem pole. You will never get to be um, beautiful enough, smart enough, rich enough, wealthy, wealthy enough, confident enough. You'll never get to any of those places before you learn to surrender. Recognize the emptiness. Recognize what you're trying to fill it with and stop. Stop trying so hard. Let go. That's surrender. That dynamic that we're addressing right now 
is the dynamic of Gilu Arias. That's the dynamic of Taiva. It's the dynamic of lust. It's the belief that one more piece of cake will make me feel better. It's the belief that one more thing is going gonna, is gonna to do it for me, no matter what that thing is. And it's, it's the hardest part of life. And this is why I, why I talk so much about self-awareness, about knowing yourself, understanding yourself. The hardest part of life is getting to know that which is lacking in you is not lacking in you. That which you think is broken is not broken. Now, how do you tell, how do you tell that? Because, I mean, sometimes you talk, I have to move places. Sometimes you talk, I have to go. So a lot of it has to do with intensity. What's the intensity with which I feel this lack? How much time do I spend during my day feeling those little pangs of, you know, knots in, your, in, in my belly or like the top of my chest that like my Adam's apple is too big. That feeling that like, I, I, I just, I can't, it's not, it's not, something's not good enough. I'm, I'm too intimidated by, the, by other people. I'm too jealous of other people. I'm too, the, it's too frantic. It's too much. I'm desiring too much. I'm trying to plug in something into my life too much. If, the, if it's too intense, if that drive is too intense, then my job in life is to learn how to slow down. Now, this is usually marked by the inner critic. The inner critic that tells us, you're nothing, you're not good enough. You're not good enough. I used to think that emptiness was a feeling that was characterized by a person not having something enough of like a person grows up being emotionally neglected, they haven't received enough validation in life, and so they need to find a way to get more validation. I used to spend a lot of time with clients trying to figure out if they needed validation or encouragement. Like, which one do you need? Do you need, do you need me to be encouraging of you? Do you need me to just listen to you? Do you wanna be appreciated or do you just wanna be seen? Like, that, like that's, a, that's a, a major difference, right? There's a difference between being appreciated and being seen. I know for me, the biggest, the biggest thing that I need is to be seen. I don't like really being encouraged or appreciated. Those are not things that really speak my language. I used to think that, that's, that, that's, that these things happen because people didn't receive enough in life. And if you just give them enough of it, it'll, it'll work. But as the years went by, as a therapist, I saw more and more that it's, it was actually became very destructive. Of course, a person needs to be seen enough, right? There's gotta be enough. But at some point when you're being seen too much and you crave validation too much, and when you crave attunement too much and you crave all kinds of things too much, you have to stop and say, maybe the emptiness is something I'm doing. Maybe I'm creating the emptiness. Maybe I've learned to create emptiness. Maybe emptiness is the presence of a feeling and not the absence of a feeling, right? Maybe absence is the presence of absence and not the absence of presence. It's too deep, huh? Maybe I create for myself a lack and that's the lack within which all kinds of desire grows. Taiva, which is marked by all the svarim as Gili Arias, immorality, lust. Lust represents all desire. It's not to say that all desire is lust, but lust, that's certainly what Freud was doing when he talked about the, super, the, 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 uh, the id, when he talked about everything being, being driven by these primitive things that he called sexuality, which really wasn't. It just meant, it meant the energy of desire of impulse, which everyone's born with. At some point in life, we have to stop and, and ask ourselves, do I really desire that thing? Or before the desire, my body creates a lack and that lack is where the desire grows. And so it's not about the piece of cake. It's not about the money. It's not about the status. It's not about the jealousy. It's not about the fill in the blank. It's not about any of those things. There's no place to run. You have to stop and you have to stop creating the emptiness within. That is in many ways what all 12-step programs are based on. 
The concept of surrender is the ability to recognize the emptiness. It's the ability to recognize that I create emptiness within which I crave. The craving doesn't happen on its own. I create, I create the emptiness that creates craving. I create the, create the craving. When I surrender to a higher power, which means when I surrender to Hashem, when I let go of creating the emptiness and I give the emptiness over to Hashem, I don't need to crave anymore. That's the panemius of surrender. That's how surrender works. That's the Avera of Gilearias. I create a lack within which I desire all kinds of desires. I've seen it at this point in, in my life. I've seen it from the low, desiring the lowest form of the most disgusting things on the planet to the highest form of learning an extra black at night or whatever that Indian of Kedusha is, the, the person, the mikvah lady who, who pushes herself to go two or three hours extra than she really should be. Whatever that, whatever that Indian is, whatever that Indian is, I'm going to ask if we can, if we can hold off on questions um, in, in, until the end. I'm sorry. I want to get through, um, I want to kind of get through more of this. That's one Indian. That's the Indian of Gilearias. I want to move now to talk about the other side of the coin. Yes, We're going to, I'm going to keep going. The other side of the coin is the opposite of Gilearias, which is called Shlichas Dalim, which is murder, which is anger. What is the opposite of surrender? What is the other side of the coin that we're tasked to do? We're tasked to manifest. We're tasked to express ourselves in the world. We're tasked to be motivated. We're tasked to be go-getters, to be assertive. We're asked by Hashem to go out there into the world and to conquer. The first, it's the first uh, thing that, that man was, was told to do, to go out into the, into the Gan and to, and, to, and to be kavish the Gan, to go into Gan Eden and to, and to run it, live it, guide it, train it, conquer it, own it, rule over it. That's the Indian of manifestation. Manifestation is my ability to express all the God-given talents that, that are within me, to raise that up and to bring that more than, what it, than, than the state of potentiality. It's to make potential into uh, an expressed reality. Surrenders on one hand, manifestations on the other hand. We're going to go to the second thing that I sent out. <sighs> Adam Umikdash. This is from, from Avas the Rabbi Nassim, found in a sefer called Tarach and Zion. A new sefer that just came out uh, a few weeks ago. So he says like this, Adam Umikdash, man and Mikdash, which is the Mishkan, but Besa Mikdash. Man and the Besa Mikdash, Kishinivro'u, when they were created, Bishteyadav Nivru, they were created with two hands. This is a medrash. They were created with two hands. And he says in parentheses, the other creations, other creations were created with speech. When it came to, to, to Adam, Adam was created with two hands. When it came to the Mishkan, the Mishkan and the Besamekdash were created with two hands. Minayin la'adam, the Medrash says, Minayin la'adam shenivra b'shteyadav. How do we know that man was created with two hands? Shenemar yadecha asuni v'yichaynenuni. It's a pasig in Tehillim. Yadecha asuni, Hashemelech says, your hands created me and you guide me, you showed me the way. Minayin la'mikdash shenivra b'shteyadav. How do you know the basic mikdash were created with two hands? Shenemar, the pasig says, we said in Shir Hashirim, mikdash Hashem kainu yadecha. The Mikdash of Hashem, your base of Mikdash, you establish with your hands. The base of Mikdash was created with Hashem's hands. Man was created, I'm sorry, the Mishkan was created with, with Hashem's hands. Adam was created with our two hands. 
The Beis HaMikdash was created by humanity with two hands. Man, because man was created with two hands, we are tasked to be doers in this world. We are tasked to manifest the glory of God that rests inside of us, to quote Marian Williamson. We are tasked to grow, to manifest, to build, to express, to be creative, to be productive, to be motivated, to be disciplined, to be engaged in this world, to not keep our beautiful selves to ourselves. We are tasked to be Bali Hasadim. We are tasked to be out there. Go out there. Share yourself with the world. There's a medrash later on that says, there's a medrash in Tehillim that says, Amalek HaKadosh Baruch I didn't send this out. Amalek HaKadosh Baruch the Sha'avar, in the past, since the Beis HaMikdash was created with the hands of humanity, the Fichach, therefore, Kharav, it was destroyed with Salakti Shkinasi, and I removed my I removed my Shkina. When, when the time comes, I will I will build the Mesa Mikdash. The of and it won't be destroyed forever. In other words, what's happening here in these with, with these Madrashim is there's a, a synthesis between Hashem creating with his hands and Adam creating with, with our hands. That's why, again, the, when Hashem created Adam, Balshamtov, we've said this many times, the Balshamtov, the Balshamakadish says that when, when Hashem created Adam, he said, Nasa Adam, let us make man. Who's the us? Everyone wants to know. Who's the us that Hashem was talking to? The us Hashem was talking to was man himself. Man, by you manifesting in this world, you will be a shutif to me. You will be a partner to me in the, in the creation of the world. The more you actualize yourself, the more you create in the world. My hands, Hashem says, and your hands, what I create and what you create, I create you, I create the, the Mishkan, you create more of my world, you create the Beis HaMikdash. We're all, it's, there's one big, massive, integrated uh, uh, partnership that we have with Hashem of manifestation grow, build, express. Manifestation is the opposite of surrender. Wherein as surrender, we are asked to stop, to slow down, to have a muna, to have our faith in Hashem, to believe it's really about the tochen, about having faith in Hashem that we, we could surrender, we could take a deep breath, we can slow down. Manifestation is the exact opposite. And where manifestation goes wrong is with anger, with expressing anger, with demanding that life works on my terms, with demanding that life happens on my terms, with trying to force reality, to force reality to happen in a way that's overreaching what what I'm capable of. It's not up to you to finish all the malacha. Stop. Don't overstep your boundary. Don't push too hard. When you push harder than you should, in other words, I'm, I, when you push harder than you should, then you're, you're overstepping your boundary. It's called gaiva. That's called gaiva. That's your ego. When your ego is too expressed, the Rabbani Shalom says, I, me and him can't exist in the same world together. So I will remove myself from the world when you're doing that. Don't do that. Don't try to overstep your boundary. Whereas surrender, you're doing the opposite. Whereas surrender, you're boohooing yourself. I'm missing something. I'm empty. I need to fill it with something. Stop. You're not missing anything. Take a deep breath. You're okay. You're good. You're good. You matter. You matter. Your existence matters way more than anything anyone can create. So surrender your need to push any further. On the opposite end of the extreme, on the other end of the pole of the continuum, is you're pushing too hard. On this side, you're complaining, you're too little, you're shut down, you're paralyzed. On this side, you're pushing too hard. On the manifestation side, you're pushing too hard. The Rav says, me and you can't exist in that world together. That's a bechina of shvichas damim. That's a bechina of murder. That's what murdering someone else is. That's me saying that I've overstepped my 
Gaiva to such a degree, I've, I am stepping over the boundary of what I should be doing so much that I choose to make you not exist anymore. We, you, me and you can't exist in the same world. I choose to murder you. I would choose you. Yes. <laughs> You're welcome. That's murder. Manifestation. The problem with a broken manifestation is shvichas daven. The problem with a broken surrender is giliarayas, is lost. So we covered two out of the three. We'll stop here? No, we're not going to stop here. So often what I'll do with clients I'm not often, but I've done this a few times with clients because I've, I've done this with myself. Is on the bottom of a page, I see someone even like started to do this. On the bottom of a page, just pass me the, the pen and paper for a second. I, I'll draw a line from top to bottom. On the top, I'll write manifestation. On the bottom, I'll write surrender. In the middle, I'll draw two tiny concentric circles with like a little coloring in the place where they're, where they're meeting. So it looks something like this, right? It's beautiful. It's a work of Picasso, work of art. Okay, so manifestations on the top, surrenders on the bottom, and in the middle, I drew these two little tiny, tiny uh, concentric circles. When these two things, the word concentric means that they're linked together. For all the basic word for that? Yeah. The Venn diagram, right, are two concentric circles. So the Venn diagram, I think, has three. Doesn't a Venn diagram have three circles? No? When it's two circles together and they. Right, that's what I mean. Okay. So here's the thing in life the talkless of life, really, of all, like all of Vedas Hashem. You want to be an Evan Tashem and you want to know how to, to act in this world and how to live in the practical realities of life, because that's what the first base Amikdash is about. It's all about being an Evan Tashem, actualizing yourself and knowing where and when and how, when to put your foot forward and when to surrender, when to manifest, when to surrender. It all goes down to the serenity prayer, right? God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. So it's either change or surrender, change or acceptance, change or acceptance, although surrender is much more than just acceptance. In life, my job is to take these two circles and push them out from each other. I need to expand these two circles from each other. What I don't want to happen is have manifestation and surrender crushing each other. I want to expand so that growth, the way all growth happens is, I know how to lean on manifestation for the sake of surrender, and I know to lean on surrender for the sake of manifestation. My job is to push these, push these two poles more and more and more and give more surrender in my life. And what gives me the capacity to surrender? How do I know that when I look into the darkest, deepest places within myself and I feel so empty and I feel so broken, and I feel, like I, I feel like it's worth killing myself because I can't imagine ever being happy. What gives me the capacity, the strength to look at the darkness? And as Dovin Melch said in the middle of the darkness, the Dovin Melch said that the darkness, that the darkness, the darkness maybe will kill me. No, what gives me the capacity to surrender into Hashem? Sometimes I need to look back at the things that are outside of the world of surrender. I need to look at what I've done in manifestation and lean on that for a little bit. Sometimes in the middle of the darkness, I need to look outside myself. And the more I could lean on the energy of the light that exists outside of the darkness, the more the darkness could shine, if that makes sense. In other words, sometimes life gets so painful, gets so negative, gets so dark, I have to learn how to leave the world of surrender and go to manifestation and lean on manifestation and look to all the things I've manifested in this world, know 
that it's that I'm I cannot be as terrible as I feel when I look in the mirror. It's not possible I'm as terrible as the way I look in the mirror. When I look in the mirror and I see that I've done this and I've done this and I've done this and I've done this and I've done that and I've done that and I've done that and I've done all of these amazing things in my life. It's not that that's going to heal the negativity, but I need to rely on that to give me the strength to surrender. If I look at all the positive in my life, I can lean on that so that I can have the strength to surrender the darkness. The darkness can shine. No, wait, I'm sorry. Excuse me, we're not up to there. We're up to the first passage. If I were to say that the darkness will swallow me, will kill me, will reject me, I'm so terrible. It's so not worth me living. Then the night would become as light around me. The light could be shined by everything I've manifested into this world. What gives me the capacity to surrender? When I work with addicts, I see this all the time. There are some people that can't get surrender. They can't get to a place of surrender. And the reason they can't get to a place of surrender is because their shame is too overwhelming. If my shame is too overwhelming, I need to build a life. And this is what I've argued with many, many addiction counselors before. I will work with, I've worked with many, many clients who are actively addicted, and I don't care that they're actively addicted. They can't get to surrender until they can feel some success outside themselves. Get a job. I don't care that you're, I don't care that you're smoking eight hours a day. Get a job. I don't care that you're, you're shooting up. Get a job. Find something. Do something with your life and lean into the positives. Lean into what you've manifested so that you have some backing that allows you to surrender. And the other way is true also. Sometimes I need to lean into surrender in order to manifest. It's the exact opposite. Sometimes I feel like I need to finish the job. Sometimes I feel like I need to do and build and grow and, and I need to do all that. And sometimes I fail. And sometimes it doesn't work. And sometimes I spend 10 years or 20 years or 40 years of my life or 50 or 80 years of my life trying really, really hard to get it to work. And it doesn't happen. And I have to find what surrender looks like. I, I, I have a, a, a my, my grandfather, I, I, like to, I like to think about him a lot. My grandfather is like this. I mean, he's still, he's still Baruch Hashem, very much alive. It's very cute because he's, he has uh, some dementia. Um, but he's very cute. He's like very, very cute. He's like his natural tendency was always like to be laughing. So now he just laughs and, and he makes really, I mean, he always makes jokes, but sometimes he doesn't know if he's, if it's the 1950s and if he's going to uh, go, go do a bris somewhere, he, he was, he's a mile. If he's going to go do a bris somewhere or he's going to lay in bed for the, because that's where he's been for the last like three years. So it's, it's a cute thing, but he, he always like kind of complained about the fact that he didn't make certain investments when he was younger and that he didn't make investments and it could have been, it could have been, it could have been. But no matter how much he's ever complained in his life, and I, I've always seen him be able to smile, he always had a joke, always had something funny to say. And no matter how much him and my grandmother argue about how late he is to everything, he always still is just, he's just okay. Underneath it all, he's okay. He's just happy. He lives in a surrendered place. Even though he'll complain about things that, he, that didn't, didn't work for him, underneath it, there's a tremendous menuchas and nefesh. There's a tremendous experience of, I don't need to be anywhere else. I'm right here. This is exactly good for me. I don't need to go to a, hell for, to a hotel for Pesach. Instead, this is what they did. Instead of going to a hotel for Pesach, they bought themselves a seven-bedroom house in, in, in Cedarhurst so that they can have everyone come over. I'd rather be home than, than, than run around outside. My job in life is to find a way to pull in between the two poles of surrender and manifestation to pull and create more and more space. That's what growth looks like. Growth is my capacity to pull and pull more surrender and more manifestation and more surrender and create larger distance and become more comfortable with both of these poles. What happens? What happens is we give up because it feels too complicated and it feels too hard. 
And ultimately, we get plagued by self-doubt. I had someone in my office today who told me that for the last like three months, they haven't really been doing so well at, at their job. That's why they came to see a therapist and, and they weren't doing so well. Uh, they, they had a job, they were making really, really nice money and they were very motivated and very involved. And um, he said to me that uh, he, yeah, I don't know, he just he don't, doesn't know what hit him, but like the last like three or four months, he hasn't just, he hasn't been motivated. He can't really get himself to work and he's, his business is falling apart. So we're trying to figure out what's going on with him. And he told, shared with me recently, today, I mean, he shared with me a conversation that he had with his Rosh Hashiva, who gave him a clap over the head that uh, money is not the is not the ikker, and you know you gotta you gotta you gotta come back to the base medrash. You know you should uh, uh, you have enough money now, and you need to come back to the base medrash. So he shared that with me in passing. So I asked him what that felt like when 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 his Rosh Hashiva said that, and he said to me, "It it just it it just made me realize that the dream I had of making a million dollars before I hit thirty was not really." really just wasn't, uh, wasn't real, was a fantasy. And I, I uh, listened for a while and I lost, totally lost my temper. And I said to him, I said to him that, how could you give up on your dream? How could you give up on your dream? Why can't, why can't you go to, why can't, you can go to the base Medrash and learn a full two Saddam and continue to, and, con and continue to run your business. That's, that's the where this guy's up to in his life. What happened? What happened was, is someone came in and gave him what's called a binary choice and said to him, in life, you can only choose this or you can choose that. He took this massive thing called manifestation and surrender, and he said, choose one. You got to do one. Pick one thing. It's either this or it's that. It's either Lila or it's Cheshach. It's either Achor or it's Kedem. It's either sit down or get up. It's one or the other. Choose one. Be one. You want to you want to be an Icewarf and sit and sit and, and sit and work all day and do, be just be a Dafyaimiyid, that's all you want to do? Or the opposite. The opposite. You wanna you wanna just um, you wanna just learn for a little bit? You just like you 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 only have small aspirations. Dream big. Uh, do this. What do you have to do with all the other stuff for? <clears throat> this notion that life is is completely binary. It's either or. Destroys humanity. Destroys dreams, and it creates the most insidious, perverted, broken, and disgusting thing that exists, it's the darkest place within us that's called self-doubt. It's the activation of self-doubt. We get confused, we're not exactly sure what we want to do, and we doubt. Self-doubt, of course, is a, another name for shame. It's the experience we have uh, yeah, I, 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 don't, I'm, I don't know. I'm not really sure. I, and then we pull back and we don't pull the trigger. We don't go that extra step. It's not really an extra step. It should, it should flow, right? But it's, it's really the story of Hamalek. It's, it's, the, it's the story of the Nachash HaKamayni. It's the Nachash who says, ah, don't even try so hard. Come on. Where, what do you think, where do you think you're going to make it to anyway? Where are you going to get to anyway? Who are you? Who are you really? Come on. You know, this is not really for you. The space in between manifestation and surrender is the holiest space that exists. The capacity to know that life is so much larger than either or Emuna, all Emuna exists. Remember we, what we said, that everything that happens is, is a relationship between me and Hashem. All emuna, all faith, is faith in Hashem and faith in myself, all as one. It's not ben or eved. It's not surrender or manifestation. It's not achor 
Okadam. It's not Laila Ochoshech. It's everything integrated as one. Life is confusing. Life is hard. Life is sophisticated. There's a cost of living. And the cost of living means that all the advice that we hear from all the self-help gurus, all that stuff is true. It's all true. Don't be overwhelmed. Live your life. Grow yourself. Build yourself. Build more of who you are. Because you matter in a way that's so much more magnificent than anything anyone ever could possibly imagine. The more you get to know yourself, the more you get to see, excuse me, the more you get to know yourself, the more you get to see what your capacity is, what your capability is, the more you get to see how beautiful you are when you're not doing anything and you're just sitting quietly, that's the, that's the more of the amuna that you have. The last Avera that exists in the world of being an Ever Hashem is Avodah Zara. Avodah Zara is when your mind takes you away from the pure faith you have that you are magnificent, that I matter, and I get into all this confusion that eventually leads to self-doubt. It's, it's the end of the rope of shame. Shame is Avodah Shame is to turn around and to, and to say about myself, to myself, eh, 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 you're not really, you're not really meant to do this. This is not really you. Come on. Who do you think you really are anyway? Oh, this is Gaiva. Come on. Shame is the ultimate dream killer. Shame is the ultimate potential killer. Shame is the nachash. Shame says, nah, come on. You're not really so great. It's all about self-doubt. That's the Avera of Avedazara. The Avera of says, you can't really talk to Hashem. Hashem's too high for you. You're a lowly piece of nothing. Talk to the sun. The sun, at the very least, you know, it's tangible. You can see it. It's, 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 it gives you something. It shines down on you. It looks in you. Don't bother me with this big God thing. It's too big for me. I, 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 need, I need Jesus in my life because I need something that's more like, you know, tangible. You may, he was a human at least, so like, like we understand, we can understand it. That's all self-doubt. It's all the worst machla that exists in the world today. It's what drives people to the, the craziest conclusions about reality, about reality and about ourselves. Just look at the way, just look at the basic conversations that, that, that people have. Look at how small-minded people are. I mean, I see this, I see this, I'm sorry, that, I see this on, on WhatsApp groups that I'm on, where, where the conversations could go on for weeks, then someone gets upset, so it stops, and then six weeks later, the conversation comes back, and it's ki'ilu as if someone has a new chiddush to say about, you know, whatever the Democratic leader of, uh, of you know, or the, who's going to get the Democratic vote for mayor of New York City, like, oh, 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 yeah, no, I had a new chiddush. I saw a new report that said something new about whatever. How small-minded people are. It's such a sad thing to see people have given up on dreams, that somehow we go to, maybe we go to base measures or we go to seminary, and it's amazing and it's fantastic, and we have all these dreams for ourselves, and then we, we, where do they, like, we just become hollow, like our dreams become hollowed out little places that maybe we get inspired every once in a while to. That's the leftover. That's the Rishima of Avadizara. Avadizara is the self-doubt that comes along with not being able to pull the trigger in my life to be me, to just be me. Self-doubt creates confusion. Self-doubt creates paralysis. Self-doubt self -doubt creates analysis. Self-doubt creates all kinds of funky fungus that grows in our minds about reality, about other people, about ourselves within reality. The words to me are beautiful words. I'll say maybe will destroy me. All three of these averas, all three of these uh, fundamentals of living, darkness, emptiness, all the Averis that I do, that, I, that bring about such chayshach in my life, where we are trained to be so fearful of the dark parts of ourselves. We are trained to be so fearful 
of the darkness within ourselves. We are trained to be so allergic to the baggage and the luggage. Our, our society is so obsessed with being the best. We're so obsessed with judging each other and criticizing each other that sometimes we forget that the Chayshech is there, Laila Orba Adeni, the night when Hashem, Hashem, when you're in my life, when I'm living and relating to you, and I'm not connected to self-doubt, and I'm not worried about all the things that go on inside of me, because I know somehow, somewhere, you're going to help me work this out. And we're going to work this out together. Whether it's surrender or manifestation, whatever it is, wherever I need you in my life, everything's okay. Then none of these paradigms, none of these what look like opposites, none of these thesis and antithesis, none of it make a difference. It's all there. Hashem, you're there. You're found in all the cracks and crevices. You're found in all the beautiful transcendent moments. You're in both. I'm not running away from you. I appreciate that, you're, that, that I'm a product of your creation. I appreciate that you're, you're with me. And I appreciate that the darkness, the korban that we are now sitting in, that we're talking about, that we're thinking about, we're trying to get to and understand that this korban that we, that we are living in now in the year 2021 of Gullus, that this korban is so much brighter than we could possibly imagine. And our job is to figure out how to, how to dream inside of it. Our job is to figure out how to manifest inside of it. Our job is to figure out how to be the best we could be because we don't have to wait for Mashiach to come for us to see the glory of Hashem. We have to wait for Mashiach because that's the ultimate manifestation of everything. And then we as human beings can surrender the title and the life that we have and just be completely manifest. So my bracha to all of us is that in this way we not be afraid of the darkness, not be afraid of the darkness within ourselves, not be afraid of the averas that we've done, not be afraid of the areas that were broken. And we have the courage to face ourselves, to face our, our, our brokenness, to face our darkness, to recognize that no matter what we do, we don't have to fall prey to either of these three massive averas of lust, of anger, and of self-doubt. And Hashem should bring us uh, to that place where uh, Mashiach comes to the base. I mean, this will be built with his hands and not with our hands. We could, we could surrender our hands and allow Hashem to just run the world exactly the way it's meant to be underneath the hood. We should be to beautiful things.